Again, I want to thank each one of you, as Brother White did, in regard to your attendance in this service tonight. This is a work day, an activity day, and there are no doubt many people who would wish to be a part of the service and will be by virtue of the recordings and the fact that they can go to the Internet site and obtain that particular speech that's given tonight and other times and be a part of the growth that we wish to have in resort to the gospel meeting underway. But I'm so glad that you're here and a part of this and you've chosen to be a part of this service this evening. I've got so many preacher buddies and friends from one way and another to be a part of this service that I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm kind of like the young preacher feeling, I wish that maybe you were here and I was where you are in regard to listening tonight. But the occasion has been furnished to me and a privilege to be here to get to know more and more of these good people here. And although you have spoken in this pulpit from time to time, uh, brethren, you have never been researched as much as this Robert Rawson has been through the years. By virtue of the 35 years of being on Country 101 Radio out of Batesville that reaches up in this way and people hearing that program and going to their Bible and assessing it and discussing in Bible class and one thing and another, I'm as well known that as, as you would have been way before you ever came here. <laughs> Brother Mike. And he does a great job with this. I've enjoyed what I've heard in regard to his presentations here by the way of the internet. Once again, it's good to be with you tonight. I'm so glad also in the audience with us that there's a good buddy who's here who was with me in Batesville, Mississippi back yonder whenever the day came. And uh, if he were given the task of announcing for me, Brother J.C. Harrison would have been here a long time. And he would have been a happy message for you. And I'm so glad, though, that he's here to be with us tonight. It's good to have you in the audience once again, my brother. The church, the body of Christ. Obviously, we can begin with the application of where we are, where we're sitting tonight. The concept that we are in a body. We're here. We're part of this. Hebrews 12 and verse 9 tells us that we all have fathers of the flesh and we reverence them. Much more God, who's the father of our spirit, that we may live. The point being made there is that we spiritually want to live on and on. And as we would have a reverence for our earthly father and follow his will. Of course, the context there in Hebrews 12 is in reference to chastisements that take place. The smiting and the word chastised means to, to slap the wrist. I know that in our English it has a bad meaning, a bad connotation, that the courts have slapped the wrist of a, a criminal and sent him on his way and he's done greater crimes at a later time. But originally this carried with it the idea of something of great respect that a child had for his father. And as a result of the chastisement, as a result of the smack upon the wrist, it was a disappointment that was served up and the disappointment of that child's life. And thus that child who reverenced and respected his father would find it to be just as much as any sort of abuse that would be done, any sort of meaningful other punishment that would be done. The idea would be that this has disturbed my father. This has troubled my father. And in this it is said we all have fathers of the flesh and we reverence them as a conclusion of that kind of way. Those that lifted up the feeble hands that hang down and strengthened the feeble knees and walked with them in the way. That's the kind of punishment that he's talking about there. The kind of loving discipline and guidance of a child, not the abuse that would take place with anyone. And so in regard to this, he says, we all have fathers and we reverence them. 
but much more should we reverence God who's the father of our spirit. We have this earthly body and here we are in this body and we have motions and movements about this body and the head we know in our study in science we realize that the brain conducts the idea of the thoughts and processes and the command systems go through the nerve endings to our muscles and thus we move our fingers, we raise our arms, we go about our activities in line. Sometimes, however, in that brain there is a disturbance that takes place. There's a blood clot that takes place. Perhaps it's due to uh, high blood pressure and the result of the elevating of that blood pressure and those blood vessels being stretched in that regard, they break. And they break in the left part of the brain and I have seen and had friends, and maybe you have too, that they sweat bullets trying to raise their right arm, trying to just get their fingers open or trying to get their arm raised up and they cannot, for the life of anybody, they cannot raise their arm up. The brain is discharging no signals thereby through that nerve system and to that muscle. And as a result of that stroke that has taken place, the doctor tells us, there is a time in which the pressure could be relieved. Perhaps there's a time in which blood can be uh, extracted from the brain in that area. And there can be a recovery that may take place, or it may be the statement made, there's no hope that ever that this will change. It's such a massive stroke, a massive disturbance that is done that there's just no way that that person is going to regain use of that limb, be it a leg or be it a hand, be it an arm. They'll always, if they're able to walk at all, pull and drag that particular part of the body because the brain cannot communicate with that body so that that body can do what it normally would do. It's good for us to check on our blood pressure. It's good for us to know what's going on. It's good for us to have it under control because that will help us all the way through life. That physical body is that physical body that we have. We have a body form of it. We have the presence of this body in the sense, not only the headship, but we have the cumulative effect of all the members of this body, the fingers, the toes, the various organs of the body. The fact that we are here as we are and the physical remains that we have here are being used up and used in ways and we begin to age in the process of that. The psalmist David would declare this in regard to this. He says, O Lord, back there in Psalm 90, it seems, uh, I believe really the Hebrew should be in a, in a questioning form as it is really translated there. And it says to us, uh, O Lord, it seems that we pass away our years in thy wrath. We're not really in the wrath of God. God is for us. He wants to help us. He's the God of, of great hope. And Paul will praise people in reference to that matter in Romans 15 and verse 13 when he says, This God of hope fill you with peace and fill you with, with uh, joy uh, in the presence of the Lord in his ways. And the Lord wants us to be uh, filled with life and opportunities to grow in the way of the Lord. But in this it says, It seems that we pass away our years in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told, he goes on to say. And then goes on to note to us that the days of the years be threescore and ten. And if they be by reason of strength, they be fourscore years. Yet with that strength there is labor and sorrow. And it is soon cut off and we fly away. The idea of that is to be a person who serves the cause of God in the right and righteous ways of the Lord. While we can, because those years will come and they will go. We as young people think that we will never get that elderly, that way of life. We'll never have that stroke. We'll never have that debilitating situation to take place. 
Our physical body will always be the strength that it is now, always be the proudness that it has now. But that was going to change in life as we age. And if we go to the years of 70 years, three score and 10, or even to 80 years of time, with that it is said there is, uh, there is much sorrow. We'll see friends that don't make it there. We'll see people who don't accompany us there. It will sadden us in our minds, in our ways. Sometimes that will depress our bodies and depress our movements in life. We'll think that life is not worth the living. It's not worth the doing. We'll find ourselves uh, sad in this situation. What does this have to do with the spiritual body of Jesus Christ? Number one, the body of Jesus Christ has as its head one who will never have a stroke. One who will never be dilatate the body. One who will always uphold the ways of the body. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 and 23, you'll note that God has put all things under his feet and given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. But I want to get into this, the context of this statement made. Go back with me in Ephesians 1 to verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward usward. To who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set his own right hand in heavenly places far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Do you see the number of times, beginning at verse 17, that reference is made to this headship and how that in this headship he's attempting to personify the body members themselves. Christ Jesus has that teaching of truth. He has that teaching of understanding. He has that teaching of enlightenment. But he wants us in our physical bodies to be personified that we'll have that understanding, that we'll utilize that understanding, that we'll deeply appreciate that understanding, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. All of these words about understanding and know and to be able to see and understand the Lord wants us to have. And as a result of this, we receive first the information from the head, from Christ Jesus himself. He is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. But in filling us all in all, he wants to fill us with a knowledge of that understanding, with a knowledge of that enlightenment, to be truthful and right and good. What can disturb that? Well, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, he tells us that you hold steadfast the faith, the teaching of the gospel. With that sound doctrine, 
by which you'll be able to convince and convict the gainsayer. There are those who will come against that body. They'll come against that teaching. And as a result of their bringing false teachings, they'll bring that which will disturb the value of the prophet. The gainsaying will be done so that there needs to be a conviction of them. There needs to be an understanding that they're not bringing healthy or sound things to us. And as a result of not bringing health to the body of Jesus Christ, the body of which we as members have an understanding, we have a privilege to understand the right things of the Lord. We have a peace that comes by that, we'll see in just a moment. And as a result of that peaceful teaching that he's given us, he wants us to be people who are ready to hold fast that word of faith. That we may be able to use that word of faith if there is someone who comes or some group that comes or some teaching that is done that take us away from the way of the Lord. Some have noted the ideals of biblical translation. And they've noted that there are those that through the years have made an effort to sell Bibles and to reinvent some meanings of words. And there are those good students that have been in this pulpit to preach already. And I'll not repeat those particular things in regard to the benefits and how we can do studies that will carry us from the King James Version all the way back to the original text and note the original things about it. And we can be as truthful and fair with that as we possibly can be. But I want to note to you that even if there are those who come our way and they will attack and challenge us, for example, of the word church in Acts 2, verse 47, and they'll insist of us that instead of translating it church in Acts 2, verse 47, the Lord added daily to the church such as we're being saved, this body of Christ such as we're being saved. They'll tell us that uh, that ought to be translated just them, added unto them, but you know, there comes in a picture of this for the Lord's work. He not only taught us by way of sentence structure and words uh, and the meaning of the words, but the Lord has taught us by way of context. And there's a thing called context, otherwise we need to get out of here and begin to build an ark tonight for our salvation because Noah was told that that was the way he was needed to be delivered. But because of the context of his time and the need that he had in his time of that flood coming, he needed to build that ark. And in that regard, he was the reserve of that. You and I are not going out to build an ark for our salvation today. There is salvation in Christ Jesus and only in him as we read in Acts 4 and verse 12. And so in this regard, the context of Acts 2.47 continues on. The church at Jerusalem is still going on. In Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira bring their ways and bring their falsehoods and deceptions before the church and before the, the apostles of the church there, and they, are they, are die they die, they put to death. Notice that in that same context of the church of Jerusalem in Acts 2, 47, continuing on at the temple, 4, up into chapter 5 now, the terrible thing that the Lord didn't want to continue on he did not give them a second chance. It was a critical time of the church, critical time at the beginning. And as a result of that, he wanted to, to have them to be represented an example. Of, he would not tolerate that kind of false ways of life. 
But in Acts 5 and verse 11, take a look. And then ask your friends if they are study every one of the Greek lexicons about it. Acts 5 and verse 11. And fear came upon the whole ecclesia, the whole church. Who are these people in Acts 2.47? The other them are there have to be admitted by those who want to reject it in Acts 2.47. That is still the context of Acts 5 and verse 11, and, and it's in all of them. And so when they saw the things that were done, that fear came upon the whole church, the whole ecclesia. The body of Christ needs to be afraid of those things that are not healthy, those things that are not good and helpful. Hold fast the word of the Lord. It is noted in Titus 2 and at verse 1 that we're to speak forth the things that become sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. We're to teach it in our classes. We're to teach it to one another in the pulpit. We're to teach it to one another in the campaigns and the gospel meetings and the crusades. We're to teach it to one another by the written page. The things that become sound, healthy doctrine. And when we study healthy doctrine, we know that it's approved of the Lord and it's his right ways and right doing. And it's a wonderful thing to have. When we find the headship of Jesus Christ directing our lives with healthy doctrine and healthy teaching and each one of the members personified to be serious about maintaining that good health, then we oppose those bringing falsehoods from without, Titus 1 and 9, by holding fast the faithful word. And we help the brethren within, speaking forth the things that become sound doctrine. Titus 2 and verse 1. And as a result, that body is healthy all the way through. Healthy in life. Healthy in the meaning of the Lord. Now, we find ourselves reading after other books and other materials of those that do not respect God's word and do not respect his teaching then we may get confused in our ways and we may bring something that is not healthy to the body healthy to us as members we need to compare everything back to the teaching of God's word and thus the beloved John will write this in this regard in 1 John 4 you remember well the first couple of verses beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they be of God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. But how do you do the trial? You know, try those spirits, whether they be of God. How do you do the trial? Stay with the context. Read on down in 1 John 4, verses 5, 6, and 7. And notice it's by the words that are spoken. By the words that are spoken. Hereby know we the truth and error. By what? By the words that are spoken. So if someone brings unhealthy words, unhealthy teaching to us, we can point out that that's not healthy. That's not of the Lord. That's, that's not the authoritative message of God. On the other hand, if someone brings us information and we have just missed that point of truth, we missed that understanding, we can embrace that and be ever more thankful. Just like a vitamin added to our diet would help our body perhaps or add a vitamin D to our body would help our bodies in a good way. Because it's debilitating to not have that. 
we would embrace that person and bringing the truth our way, bringing an understanding of truth our way, we would be impressing the idea that we want to be healthy individuals in this body. Whether we're younger people or older people, we have a great influence with others. And thus in the application of Paul's words to the young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12, when he said, be thou an example to the believers. You know, you studied that and you've been at it preached here in this pulpit. That word example is the word tupas. It's the idea of that form in which there is a metal that is placed and it bears the image of that form when it's taken out and cooled. And so it is that you are to have a lifestyle in such a way that as others come into contact with your life as a young man, the image of Jesus, the image of the right things of God. For our lesson said tonight, the image of healthy bodies is transferred in that imagery to their lives. And you be an example to the believers in word and in your conversation, in your manner of life, and in your spirit, and in your faith, and in your purity. These are the things you're to do. Practice these things, live this way of life, because this is the way that a healthy body would do. Let's look at the opposite side of the coin. If we're not examples in that way, what are we gonna be doing? Well, instead of telling the truth, we're going to be telling deceptions. Instead of living a life that is dependable, showing up on the job at the right time and doing the work for the full day, uh, making our pay, we're going to be cheating them. We're going to be getting away with something. We're going to try to get away with it as soon as we could. We're not going to have a reputation and a conversation, a manner of life that will be highly respected by anyone who hires us. And you'll get down to the point where we are like we are in this generation now in a lot of ways. The only people that will hire you are relatives. Now, I'm not saying that everybody hired by a relative is someone who's not dependable anywhere else. But I'm just saying that the only one that wants you to have a little money to do with are those people who are going to have to give you money otherwise. And thus they'll have you a job, at least something. It's a tragic thing to take place in people's lives like that. Notice the opposite of being an example to the believer in your words and in your manner of life. To be a person who is deceptive and a person who is shiftless in his mannerisms of life. And no respect is given to that individual. Take into consideration the purity. Instead of the purity of life and maintaining a decorum in life and a good marriage sought and a happy home and directing toward heaven. You know, when the psalmist there declares that as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. He says that they will do him good. They'll protect him at the gate. In Psalm 127, when he talks about that arrow, he's talking about reaching out into the future. And here are children that we see and, and we want to help them reach out in the future. And as they reach out in the future, do we want them to be healthy where they land or impure, unhealthy, unholy? What's our choice? Well, it is our choice. 
can choose to listen to the word of the Lord and have it guide our lives and, or become like the gainsayers that need conviction because we haven't followed the word of the Lord. Yes, the body of Christ is of such nature that we find the body of Christ needing always to have healthy doctrine and teaching to be done and with that same healthy doctrine convince and convict the gainsayers well. Be people who care about the way of the Lord. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, references made to these in the body of Christ in the way that they relate one to another. He says in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12 at verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. And by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Notice that in this connection, these verses tell us about the time in which we came into the body of Christ. It is said that by one spirit, verse 13, have we all been baptized into one body. As the late and lamented and wonderful gospel preacher, Brother Foy Wallace used to point out, he didn't say with one spirit and lead us to believe that by means of the Holy Spirit baptism that we come into the body of Christ. But by meaning the direction of the Spirit of God the direction of that word that he has revealed, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning at verse 9. By that one spirit, we follow that word, that teaching is given to us, and we want to obey it. We want to respond to it because it's healthy. It's good things for our lives. We're sick with sin in our body. We're sick with our sin in our lives. We want to be in that healthy body of Jesus Christ. And by one spirit, have we all been baptized in that one body? I think the latter part of that particular verse would actually establish to us that it's not a spiritualism that we're talking about here. And I think this would really have convicted the life of one Jesse Ferguson in Nashville, Tennessee back in the previous century of time in the 1860s when he got over into the arena of spiritualism in his life and, and so hurt a lot of people, a lot of meanings, a lot of ideas. For he says, in the process of this coming into the body of Christ, we have all been made to drink of that one spirit. We're imbibing that hope. We're imbibing that teaching. Do you drink poison? No, that's unhealthy. That's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt anybody that drinks poison. But you're going to drink of the spirit of God. You're going to drink of that spirit of truth and the teaching that he gave. 
When our Lord Jesus noted in John 16 at verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear of the Father, that will he speak, and he will show you the things to come. Wonderful it is to have the way of the Spirit of God, but we might have that to be healthy as we would drink of that Spirit. And as we obey that gospel of Jesus Christ, being baptized at the teaching of the Spirit of God in His Word, we find ourselves entering into the body of Christ. Now, what do we do in that body of Christ? Well, we could decide that we're going to take issue with somebody that's not as gifted as I am or is more gifted than I am. And I'm going to take issue. What's that going to do to our study yesterday about peace? See, God wants to guard us with his peace, Philippians 4, 7. He wants us to umpire, right? He wants us to umpire with peace. As we read in uh, Colossians 3 at 15, rule your lives with peace. Umpire with peace. Is that the way that's going to be done here when we find ourselves drinking poison, and we find ourselves not in the body of Christ as we should be, and not following the way of the Lord, oh no. If we'll follow his way and do his righteous cause, we'll be in that body and filled with health, and we'll be teaching others the same way as we live, holding fast the faithful word, able to convict and convince the gainsayer, Titus 1.9. We'll teach in these classes and teach in the pulpit and we'll teach in our writing sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, Titus 2 and 1. And everybody will be strengthened and built up and carried the way of the Lord as he would have us to do. But just as sure as we decide that someone else needs to be opposed in the body, I need to be in a kickative mood always. When anybody sees me coming, they see a negative soul coming. I'm going to rule the church or I'm going to ruin that congregation. When that is the practice, where is the body? Isn't that the question he asked there in 1 Corinthians 12? Where is the body? Verse 19 and if they all were one member, where were the body? The body of Christ is established in God's word to be the body of Christ, Christ's church. We all need to be faithful in Christ's church. We all need to understand that way of life that he's taught. And the way of worship is identified in 1 Corinthians from chapter 11 through chapter 16. You see the five avenues in which they worshiped and the way that they were to correct their misuse of any of those things. You too can become tonight a part of the body of Jesus Christ, a member in the body of Christ. You want the healthy way of life you want the healthy disposition and mannerisms. And as a result, to teach that which is true and right, you want to have that practiced in your daily walk of life too. As a young person, be an example, as Paul noted. As an older person in Titus 2, 1, 
speak forth the things that become healthy doctrine. What a blessing it is to have you here tonight. And perhaps there's one with us that says, I understand now more about what it means to be in the body of Christ. I want to be a member of the body of Christ. I want to have the headship of Jesus Christ directing me. I want to have his word instructing me and guiding me. I want to be around a group of people that help and care for me and want me to be healthy as I go through life. And thus, as a result of that, you will decide tonight, I want to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've mentioned it around it in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, when it is said the Lord added day to the church so the sisters would be saved. But back up a few verses and you know where the believers were to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. Someone says, well, that for remission of sins, that's a kind of a problem area for me. I've been taught that uh, baptism was just for church membership. Well, that teaching, look at the examples that's given right there. And notice that context of those words. You see those same words for the remission of sins in Acts 2 and 38 are the same words Jesus used when he instituted the Lord's Supper and the same form of those words in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. When he shed, it said of this through the vine, this is my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Repent ye and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If that means that my sins were already remitted before I was baptized into Christ, then that means that Jesus' words were that before his blood was shed, remission of sins had occurred. Did Jesus not go to the cross? Was that not a necessary thing to be done? Why not change our theology? on the basis of what we read fully in the scripture and come back to that full meaning that if Jesus in fact said this blood is shed for many for the remission and unto the remission of their sin it must be that Peter is saying to them in Acts 2 38 repent be baptized unto the remission of your sins the clothing is provided the water is prepared and all things are ready for you to decide to be baptized in the body of Christ tonight You'll be a part of the body of Christ wearing his name, honoring his way. And you'll be a healthy individual as you go through life because you take into your body and in your ways that truth of the Lord. Won't you come as we stand together and as we sing a word of encouragement.